and welcome to All Things Yoga. I'm Hilary Lockwood. So today I want to talk about uh, Yamas Part 3, and this is Asteya. Asteya means non-stealing. So if we take this, right, as the sutras, as the philosophy asks us to in thought, word, and action, let's think about, you know, those things that we possibly steal every single day in thought, word, and action. And then we have to turn that and think about first to self, right? And then to others, and then to our environment, our world, our planet, etc. Uh, this is book two, Sutra 37. Asteya pratishtayam sarvaratna upashtanam. So this says, to one established in non-stealing, all wealth comes. If we are completely free from stealing and greed, contented with what we have, and if we keep serene minds, all wealth comes to us. If we do not run after it, before long it runs after us. So, uh, you know, uh, this, is, this is the Satchitananda translation of the sutras. He also says, we tend to imprison our possessions, which I really like that phrase. I mean, it's, it's true. We hang on so tightly to to things that we have and we you know we put a uh, we put a value of self on the things that we own the amount of things we have the car that we drive the you know the job that we have the title etc so non-stealing the idea is that if we can if we can truly do this in thought word and action which you know feels fairly impossible but let's Pare this down in bits and pieces to see maybe maybe there's a way today you know to see if we can let go of just a little bit of stealing something but the idea is that if we do this and we just surrender and trust and I think trust is a huge piece of this if we just surrender and trust that all of the things that we need are going to come to us that we'll have everything that we need to have to live our lives to be taken care of in a way that is sustainable um, and possibly healthier than maybe the way that we're living now <clears throat> I say this a lot but we especially in America we have so much more than we actually need and we continue this cycle of varagya, uh, of this desiring you know more and more and more if I have this I want more stuff if I do this it's gonna make me a better person or if I have more of this thing people are gonna view me as being a smarter more successful human being which is completely untrue I think I said this in the last episode but man, we all know people that have so much money and are so unhappy and possibly extremely lonely as well so it has nothing to do with who we are soulfully, but how we live our lives truly does impact not only ourselves, our families, our coworkers, our friends, but also we have to look at, you know, we can't ignore the impact that we're having on our environment, our planet, this place that holds us, truly holds us. 
So, astea, non-stealing. When we talk about stealing, stea, in thought, to self is first what I always think about because we steal so much from ourselves in thought on a daily basis. This is, you know, moments when we know we have a good idea and we know that we have come up with something that's really going to work or we have an idea of something artistic and we allow our doubtful mind, we allow this this scared, fearful mind to come in with that doubt dialogue. And that doubt dialogue says, you can't do that. This is too big for you. This is actually a really stupid idea. And so we listen to that voice instead of listening to the positive, instinctual, intuitive voice that, that told you, this is a great idea. Go forward with this. This is something positive for you. And yet we often listen to the, the, the doubtful voice, right? That negative voice that says you can't do that. Why do we do that? If, if I could ask everyone to gently just, you know, not only start talking back to that voice, but eventually, you know, the hope is to replace negative patterns with positive ones and eventually have no patterning at all. Um, yeah. So rather than falling into that trap of, you know, this spinning of negative dialogue and start talking back to that, start talking back to that voice, go forward with those things that feel good to you. All right. So thought, think about other things that we can steal in thought, right? We steal time, my God, all day long in thought, spinning in our own heads and worry and questioning in in any kind of doubt or fear or anxiety, chitta vritti, truly chitta vritti. Um, yeah, we get, you know, again, we get stuck in this, we start to spin. So we steal time by you know, ignoring the things that we're supposed to do and occupying the mind with things that are not as positive, right? Social media or um, TV or maybe just truly spinning in anxiety and worry. It's, re- it's all really, it's hard. It's hard to be in a positive mind space, but I want you to step back and think about how much you steal from yourself in a day. Maybe you do have a really good idea. Maybe there's something that, I don't know, inspires you that you want to do. And maybe you do have these really beautiful, positive thoughts. Think about meditation. When we sit in meditation, which is so hard, meditation is one of the hardest things to do. When we sit in meditation, the mind is constantly stealing because if we get past that on the single focus into true meditation diana and we start to journey or we start to see chakra colors or we start to hear voices that aren't truly there or feel a sensation of something that doubting mind usually jumps right back in and says that is absolutely untrue what are you doing and it pulls you right out of your meditation it's so difficult to be truly present in thought 
I think it's one of the hardest things to do because even when we're with, I mean, think about that when you're with a group of people and you really are trying to be present and honor the qualities of that moment, what usually takes you away is your mind. It's not, it's not usually something physical. It's not usually something spiritual, emotional. It's usually something in your mind. So you drift and that keeps you from being present with the people that you are actually with. I talk about the quality of a moment all the time and, you know, we miss a lot in our lifetimes because we do this because we're stuck in an anxious mind. I am, I'm going to, I'm going to get more into this, uh, in my menopause episode, but for those of you who deal with any kind of thyroid or endocrine issues, hormone balance becomes an issue for sure. And you had a really lovely conversation with someone this week in Miami about her particular thyroid issues and how it makes you so anxious. And it really does. That's part of it. If you have endocrine issues, if you have thyroid issues, part of not being able to control those hormones naturally is that the result is anxiety. And so and there's so many other ailments that do this as well. I think I think illness in general makes us anxious, no matter what it is. Um, but to be able to find a way, to find a process to get rid of this worrying, anxious mind. Um, and it's that's difficult to do. Again, I think part of this, and Iyengar says it constantly in Light on Life, is talk back to it. Just actually talk back to it in your head. Change that patterning. And, you know, I've had people say, well, that makes me feel a little crazy. Like, it almost makes me feel worse. And I, I do, I get that. But I promise you that if you, if, if you immediately have a thought of anxiety and you know that this circumstance doesn't exist, let's say that worry is about your job and you're literally chemically changing your body and your brain, the chemistry of your body and your brain with this level of worry. If you take a step back and you say to yourself, my job is good. This has not happened. This does not exist. And that becomes your mantra. That's what you repeat. Or my kids are good. Someone would call me if they weren't. I would know if something was wrong everything's good, everything's okay. If we change the dialogue, this patterning that we have in our heads, eventually the pattern changes and we start to lose, we really do start to lose the negative patterning. It begins to fall away and maybe not every single one of them, but a lot of them begin to fall away because one, maybe the circumstance doesn't exist, but also too, if you think about worry, anxiety, fear, they're almost always about something that has not happened yet and truly potentially is not going to happen at all. There's so much, and that can come from past as well, but anxiety is this fear in forward thinking right? We can definitely have fear about something that has happened. We can be fearful about something that is in the past, but what creates the anxiety in the body and the brain is future thinking. But what if this happens again? But what if I walk into this situation? But what if this does happen, right? 
it hasn't happened yet. So we steal a lot of really sweet moments, positive quality in moments that we could be having with anxiety, fear, and worry. And all of that is real. And, you know, this is something that we will talk about constantly. If someone, you are chemically off, and this is something you feel you cannot control, and that mind is truly just spinning out in anxiety, absolutely see your doctor, absolutely get help. You guys, I say this all the time, but I would not be alive without Western medicine. You know, I take my meds every day because I have to, period. And that, you know, it's said that you'd be dead in two weeks without thyroid medicine, which is true. But for anyone who's on any kind of Synthroid armor, etc., especially if it's new, this takes a long time to get those levels correct. And especially as we, as women continue to change, right? Our bodies are constantly changing with every uh, menstruation, with menopause, our hormones are shifting. And so those levels have to constantly be checked. And if those levels are not correct, whether it's thyroid or for whatever reason, if you need meds, please be okay with that. I think this is something that's not talked about enough and we've lost people that are really dear to us because I think the idea was that this practice, the whole of this practice, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, can fix everything and I, I, it can help without question and it can change everything but it can't necessarily fix everything. There is a reason that Western medicine exists. And if we believe that we are all one, and if we believe that we all come from the same source, whatever that may be to you, however you label that, Western medicine can't be the exception. That also fits into that category. So coming back to Asteya, non-stealing, if we can begin to change the dialogue in the mind, if we can begin to change how we're talking to ourselves every day, then maybe we start to feel more positive and maybe we begin to trust that really good idea that we have, or we begin to trust that meditation and just surrender and let go and let it have us. The sutra says all wealth comes, right? When we find us, they are all wealth comes. And again, this is physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. This is about quality, not quantity. This is about the quality of our moments. So stealing in thought to others, you know, we can steal others' ideas. We can steal others' love, attention. I mean, anything that we keep in a way that feels stifling or as if it's strangling the other person or um, taking something from someone that doesn't belong to you. We, we do do this. Think about the corporate workplace. You know, how many times does someone who's maybe on a lower rung in the hierarchy, um, yeah, it gets, how many of them get their ideas taken from someone who's higher on the ladder and then they claim that idea as their own this is absolutely stealing we see this type of stealing all the time 
right? We can, you know, if someone interrupting, oh my God, interrupting is a great example. If someone's telling you a story that's really important to them and you interrupt and decide that your story is bigger because it's usually not even intentional to be hurtful, but you know, something they've said strikes something in you and you're like, oh my God, that happened to me. But now you've trumped their story. This is stealing. You've just stolen not only the attention of the moment, but you've kind of stolen their excitement or their enthusiasm to even tell you. So this non-stealing is, again, just paying attention, truly paying attention. If I am really listening to you, then I would have no need to interrupt you. If I was really listening to you, I would be involved in the story that you were telling and I would be in the quality of that moment of excitement with you. Stealing inward, and I guess that's, you know, that's the same. So stealing inward is... Again, we could say interrupting. We could put gossip into this mix. We could go as far as to say not speaking our own truth. You know, this is this place that keeps us held, right? That we hold back saying what we need or how we feel because we're worried or fearful of the, the judgment or the reaction that it might get. But this is stealing from you and very possibly from the person that needs to hear what you need to say. And honestly, maybe they, maybe they want to hear what you have to say, right? But you're, you know, you've decided that it's, again, that, that fearful, doubtful voice, you've decided that it's not good enough to say or that it's not important enough to say or that the impact is going to be, you're going to get a response that you don't want. So... You hold it. We need to be able to speak our truths. We need to be able to speak what we need. It becomes a really important part of who we are individually. Jivan Mukti, right? In our liberated individual soul space. Stealing in word is also verbal abuse. You know, it's being mean or demeaning to someone. It's shutting someone down because you know or you feel that you can overpower them. It's it, it's not okay. <laughs> it's absolutely not okay. Um, but it happens, and it happens a lot. It happens at home. It happens at work. It, happen, it happens. Yelling and screaming at each other. This is also stealing. When you're in a confrontation for someone... Um, that you love usually, right? Someone that you're closest to. If you're in a screaming match um, with someone that you care about, when you're yelling at someone, do you even hear them? Do they even hear you? I mean, it just turns into so much. I, th I think it feeds the anger, to be honest. I think it makes it even worse, right? But if you think about that feeling, that passionate, angry feeling, if you hold back and don't say what you need to say when someone's doing that to you, that feeling is the same. Again, that's abuse. But 
we, even with the people that we love the most, when it's not abuse, when you're in a confrontation with each other, I'm telling you, when you're yelling and screaming at each other, nobody hears. You can't listen. There's so much to be said about taking a step back and a breath. Um, yeah. And just making sure that how we reapproach or how we continue saying what needs to be said, right? Because we need to do that, speaking our truth, but doing it in a way that has compassion, doing it in a way that is still, that still has kindness in it, especially with the people that you love the most, right? So stealing in action, you know, as yogis, uh, hopefully, you know, we're not going to walk into a store and steal anything. That's, you know, <laughs> it's kind of a given when you choose to take on the lifestyle of a yogi, not just practice asana, <laughs> that you don't take things that don't belong to you. This also means not taking more than we need, right? And we all have more than we need. So what does that mean for how we can start to live our lives now, right? This Can we, because this is a parigraha as well, which we'll get to, but can we start to recognize, look around the house, recognize the things that we have that maybe don't belong to us. I chronically keep my mother's Tupperware. <laughs> That's the truth. She is so sweet, right? She makes me a meal when I'm in Michigan so that I don't have to cook. I work a lot. Uh, and then I, I steal her Tupperware every single time because she has really good Tupperware, <laughs> you guys. <laughs> But it's stealing. I mean, something that seems so silly and simple. Those little things are things that we do every single day. Right? I mean, think about how much we take from our planet every single day. We all use plastic. We all flush the toilet every time we go to the bathroom. Like... These things, we run the shower so it gets warm before we get in. I mean, being mindful about these things matters. And it doesn't mean you're going to be able to flip a switch and everything's going to change overnight. That's not how it works. But all of the yamas and niyamas say, please just observe, just watch, so that you can begin to make changes. The smallest change makes a huge difference difference. And that just really is the truth. If you begin to recognize that maybe you are a chronic interrupter, or maybe you do verbally, accidentally demean your kids, your coworker, your husband, your wife, your partner, whatever. Maybe you recognize that you buy way too many plastic water bottles, whatever it is. It's in the observation that change gets made. And so this none of this is about making you feel badly about you. 
I mean, I think that's really important. And I think I say it with every yama and niyama. This is not about punishment. It's not about criticism. It's not even about judgment. It's truly about observation. Can I observe my thoughts, my words, and my actions in such a way that I am not violent, that I am not dishonest, and that I am not stealing, that I'm not taking from myself, from someone else, or from the environment that I live in, right? Think about asana. Let's take asana because it is the most tangible and it's where most of us find our yoga. So we steal in asana all the time. We come into our asana practice and we steal by getting caught in just the physical. We steal the whole of the practice by getting stuck in the physical asana. That means that none of the other seven limbs have come into play and they are equally important. We steal by being competitive or comparative, by looking around and we steal by pushing our ego into the room and saying, oh, I'm better, I'm better than, oh, this feels good today because I'm better than her, he, they, we, right? That's stealing. And if you think about the impact of that, that's stealing from you, but it's also stealing from them. We feel each other energetically all the time. As yoga teachers, if you come in with your garbage all over you, whether that is you complaining out loud or whether it's just energetic, that's stealing from the room. We as yoga teachers, we have the responsibility to teach to the room. It's about the students. And when we're all honest, it becomes this beautiful soup that is so unique and individual every single time that if you take one away or you add someone else in, it's different, right? So we need to pay attention to physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually not stealing. In asana, do you steal from yourself when today's practice doesn't feel as good as yesterday's and yesterday you were able to do this thing and today you can't do it? And so now you're stealing the quality of the moment presently in asana because you're in a competitive comparative with self, ego, sense of mind. It's so hard. All of this, you guys, is so hard. You know, we're in this constant state of observation. And if we can do that gently, if we can do that in a way that we go, oh, Hmm, I didn't even realize that. I did not even realize the packaging that this particular thing came in. Or I didn't even realize that I was running over her stories every single time. It's important to live in a space that is uniquely you. And the truth is, none of us reinvent the wheel all of the same patterns of thought and feelings and suffering and joys have happened over and over and over again. So essentially, we're all sort of copying regardless, right? Because we're living, we're breathing, we're humans, we're feeling. Yet, there's a difference in that we can live in our unique, true state of self and honor the quality of our moments and be paying attention 
to truly being better human beings or we can fall into that pattern of that wheel that just spins and spins and spins until this lifetime is over and we'll come again and repeat the karma that we just didn't learn that we just didn't learn the lesson from it's very difficult and impossible to think that we're going to learn every lesson every yogic lesson in a single lifetime that's not how it works but if you're in a state where you're taking your yoga into your life off the mat right um all of these things become really important do i can i live in the fullness of me without taking from others so Mati, my sweet teacher, you know, part of being a teacher is imitation and you do, you imitate where you come from. I, as a brand new baby teacher, I was imitating Mati and Brian Kest and, you know, my people. There's a point where that lives in you and that voice, I mean, I hear her in my body, I hear her in my practice, I hear her in my brain, but I do not sound like her i no longer imitate a voice that wasn't mine there's a point where that imitation has to become integration of self and we find our true voice as a teacher we find our true sense as a student of the practice and you're always going to have the soul of where you come from in you but it doesn't mean that stealing is necessary it's our jobs as teachers, especially if we're studio owners, to not take what someone else created, to not steal the things, the tangible things that were given to us from our teachers to integrate enough, to be creative enough in the way that we find our voice and as our niche, even as students, to surrender and find that freedom in self in the practice. And, and again, not only as the voice of the teacher, but as the voice of the student. You know, where is my authentic voice in this? And what does this look like for me so that I can, when I'm teaching, when I'm practicing, when I'm speaking to other people about the practice, I know it's coming from my soul and from my authentic voice and from where I hold my yoga so deeply in my sense of self. Stealing happens every day, and it's, again, going to be impossible to knock all of those boxes off today, but just observe, pay attention, pick one thing today. Maybe you realize one thing and you say, oh, okay, this is going to be my focus this week, and maybe next week it's something different, and maybe you're still in Ahimsa, which is amazing as well. <laughs> what I say is same, same, right? One is the other. They are the same. So... The sutras will say if you truly accomplish one that all the others will follow and that is the absolute truth they will i don't always encourage staying in the one that's hardest for you and i think we need to get through all five before you really decide what that is but the one that's easiest because they are all the same the one that's the easiest if that's your doorway in man walk through that doorway because it's already open rather than using your whole self and all you can muster to try to push open a steel door that's unmovable when the door that's open is right next to you 
go through the open door <laughs> because the practice is hard enough. Why make it harder? It doesn't mean that your work is less. The work is the same. Go through the doorway that's open to you already and you'll begin to figure out which one that is for sure. All right, you guys, sit with Astea um, today if you can and maybe into the week and maybe even longer. Be kind to yourself and surrender what you can in the moments that you can. Um, and just love the people that are yours. All right. Have a lovely day. Shanti. Chicago Yoga Teachers. Our 500-hour teacher training begins August 6th, runs through September 25th. This is Fridays from 6.30 to 10 and Saturdays 7 to 5. We dig deep into the philosophy of the practice in this 500, focusing on the other seven limbs, pranayama, meditation, as well as sutras and the deeper philosophies of practice. So join us. You can apply at hilltopyoga.com. If you are a 200 or a 300 hour registered yoga teacher presently, apply again at hilltopyoga.com. See you soon. Please note that all of our teacher training programs can be done virtually as well as in person. Shanti. Thanks for listening to All Things Yoga. Please like and subscribe. If you want to be part of our Patreon Sangha, go to patreon.com. Hillary Lockwood. Spell my first name right. <laughs> this will give you exclusive classes, meditations, as well as discussions just for you. See you soon.